But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah, something that I just did, did, <laughs> A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. This is the 9x9, nine nine, the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago in the United States. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And for the first time, Everett, probably in the history of the show, we have breaking news that we are breaking here on the 9x9, nine nine, uh, first heard to the public. This is a big one. This one ben hurts. Josephson has been fired as the head coach of the Canadian men's national team. Yes, after less than a year at the head of the program, Ben Josephson has been fired as the head coach of the Canadian men's national team. Uh, this has been confirmed by Volleyball Canada, but not released to the public just yet. This is the first the public is hearing about it right now, and we are stunned. We are stunned. Everett, I, 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 don't, I don't even really know where to begin with this. Uh, this is your guy. This is Canada's guy. I can, we were huge fans of this hire when the decision was made in November. And I, have, I cannot believe that Volleyball Canada uh, pulled the trigger on this change in less than a year. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, quite shocked um, when the news came across. Um, you know, I got a message yesterday, um, and uh, I it kind of knocked me off my kilter for a little bit. Um, it was something that I wasn't expecting whatsoever, um, and it... I think this one hurts and we're, we're obviously going to get into it now uh, a little bit because, you know, Robin, you and I have been talking a bit about it for about 44, 24 hours now. Um, I've known for a little bit more than that. So it's been, a, you know, and I've spoken to, spoken to some people and, and, and some, and some stuff, stuff like that. Um, and I mean, Hey, let's, let's, let's start it from the beginning that this, this was not by any means a successful season. And I think he himself would be the first one to admit that uh, going, what was it like three and 12 this year, 15th at VNL. Like you, we missed, like didn't get relegated. And that's good. Uh, and then 17th at the world championships is not ideal and not what anyone would have wanted. Um, you know, and I definitely think that, you know, had he been around for another year, changes would have been made. I mean, I think everyone can agree that maybe the rate of change that we were trying to accomplish was maybe too, too much, too fast. Um, and that, you know, somewhere in the middle needed to be found. Um, but let's, let's, let's put this in perspective just a little bit because you're absolutely right. It was not a good summer for the Canadian men. And there were a lot of changes that Ben Josephson and his staff were trying to instill or yeah, try, I mean, there, there was they they really were kind of breaking things down and building that team's system but like, their, their, their on-court system from the ground up but here here are the things about this because we are we you, you said it pretty well right after the world championship 
after Canada finished 17th, didn't make it out of pools, that there's going to be some adjustments made, exactly like you said, at the there rate have, of change. Have to have been, yeah, absolutely. Because the, like, Benjo, right, like Benjo told us when we were talking to him at VNL in Ottawa, the goal of his, his goal and the goal of the Canadian men's national team is to win Olympic medals. Mm-hmm. And what we saw this summer, they were not at they were not improving at a rate that they were going to even maybe yeah. even get to the Olympics. But I mean, yeah, let's, this... let's let's give me give me give me a second here to yeah uh, to, to to get into this um, because yeah, I, I think one like before we get into a- any of that, I think we also need to look at what the roster was for this season right. and what we had coming back. I mean. It's it's almost akin to like if if you're a race car driver and and you're being like hey you know what we're gonna give you a model that's a few years old uh, because that's that's all we have right now you know we this this team before Gord Perrin and Graham Vigrass were playing on it consistently and Gord Perrin you know a little bit longer before Graham Vigrass was losing to Puerto Rico we were ranked 27th in the world like we were an afterthought in in, in international volleyball right and. Absolutely, Glenn Hogue has a massive amount to do that, but so do those athletes that, that build that program. There has never been a bigger, like a bigger re a rebuild year than this year, right? So just on that alone, right? Not 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 to take into account that the fact that we have one of our best liberos, Blair Band, who's who's been injured, our you know best setter on on paper, Jay Blankenau, who's also injured and and battling battling through through injuries. Nick Hogue was was injured the the entire time. We had guys dealing with COVID. Like there was a lot of lot of stuff going on. But at the same, think, like it, think it, about it, who the Olympic starting lineup was just last year. Absolutely, and how many of those and how many of those guys were either retired from the Canadian national team or were not in the mix this summer. Blair Ban huge 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 loss you can't even imagine how much better that team's first contact would have Gord, been shawan vernon evans is Shawan's a big absolutely. is a big loss Gordon even Aaron, no, Graham no Vigress, marshall for the most of it too like no tj sanders no, i mean come yeah, on it it was a massive massive rebuilding year but like this 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 was the time to make this move right this was the time to m- make a move to a new coach and 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 to a new system and in in my opinion, and a lot of the people that I spoke to, that they had ma- made the right choice, right? Everyone knew that there was going to be a, a rebuilding here, right? This is e- last this, November this, when they were going through the higher cycle. Hundred percent, right? Everyone knew they were going to be going going through a rebuilding year. Everyone knew it was going to be tough with without a lot of these guys. We had we had to rebuild rebuild basically f- from the ground up, but having been there for the Pan Am Cup, seen the B team in action, you know the junior team unfortunate loss to, to, to Mexico uh, in the, in the semifinals. But other than that, like two wins over Cuba uh, at, at the, the North Sicas or Pan Am cup, whatever that, that event was like, there's, there's good things that are happening at the junior level. And Ben Josephson has had a direct contact with that, with direct contact with the youth and junior programs in the, the in the previous years. But as, as, as much as, as much as all of the, like, as much as I think he deserved hundred percent to, see through at least like this isn't even a real quad it's three years right? exactly it, like it, it's a mini quad like who do, who do we have to impress do you think mizuno's sitting there tapping their foot being like hey we need better you know like we be, we'd better uh results from you guys like no none of our, none of our sponsors care right 
But like, how bad does this look on a program? This is a step backwards for the program, in in my opinion. Now we're two years out from the Olympics. The the, the Olympic qualification process is starting this year, and we don't know who the coach is going to be. Like, furthermore, the the, the coaches is, is they're going to be reviewing candidates from the the short list of last year's runners up. And, and do you think those guys are necessarily going to want this job now? You gave the guy the guy who was a quote unquote number one in your list less than a year with with less than a squad to do to do something to, to be perfectly honest this is maybe the worst move i've seen from volleyball canada in my time involved with with volleyball in canada this is it, it, it's, it's a it's, huge step back it's, it's a, a massive step, step back. back and we've got we've got to look at this from a, a little bit bigger of a picture because like you said it is a. It's not even a real quad. It's a, it's a three year goofy window. A pandemic pushed the Olympics back. Uh, Glenn Hogue retires. You bring someone in uh, to see at least through the Olympic Games in Paris 2024. Get there and or try to get there and see what you can do if you get there. There, but the whole time there's got to be some level of communication or synergy between the Volleyball Canada organization and the guy that they hired to do this job. And firing Ben Josephson this early tells me that there is a huge break in the system somewhere. There is no way that Ben Josephson would have approached this first year the way he did with the players that he did if he had known that his leash was going to be this short. Do you agree? Yes and no. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I know where the the, the link breaks, but I'm not willing to get into that here and now. Um, you know, just 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 for a lot of reasons. I mean, I have I have my own opinions on that based on being involved in some ways or another with this organization for the past decade or so. Um, but uh, I think that I think that you know this is making me think back to a lot of conversations I had with people, not Ben Joseph himself, but people within kind of his like inner circle, his, his friends and people like that just being, you know, the, 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 the cons, the consistent question from them was consistently like, are they going to give him a chance? And in my mind at the time, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. Give him a chance to like Paris. We'll see how it goes. You know, three years, that, that should be enough. Like we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. But I'm starting to wonder now if that meant, is, are they going to give him enough of a chance this year, right? And I wonder if he kind of always knew that that he was under the hot seat and that you know it was it was this serious. But I also think at the same time, Ben Josephson is Ben Josephson and he's going to do things his way. Um, and I think he deserved a chance to do things his that's, way. Like I, you, look, look at the way he absolutely dominated. U sports over the past 10 years. Look at how he's created athletes for the next level. How many Olympians have come out of that Trinity Western program, right? Like they've, they've beaten the best teams in the NCAA. They've done it consistently. They've raised the level. Ben Zosison has raised the level of Canadian volleyball, right? And it seemed perfect because you get Glenn Hogue raising the level of Canadian, Canadian volleyball at the international level. And you had Ben Josephson and guys like Terry Daniluk and Brock Daviduk and Mike Hawk and, and Dave Preston raising the level up at the U sports level, 
right? Like Preston and, and Daniluk, those were guys who have been there for a long time and legends. Like, you know, Pascal, same thing. And you had Ben Joseph come in and bring a brand new team. Like before Trinity Western, like when Benjo played for Trinity Western, they were a college team. They weren't even a university team, right? And then he took them over and made them the best university team, arguably of all time, right? And we give him not even a year? Like, what, what confidence does this put to, to, to Canadian volleyball from Volleyball Canada in our system? This is the best guy we've had. This is the guy who's won the most. This is the guy who's produced the best players. Also for the beach game, looking at Kame Schalke, how he's probably going to be the on, you know, USA 1. That's a Trinity Western Spartan right there. Like, what are we doing out here that we're letting our best guy and giving him, like, you know, like one at bat? That's that's all he got. One at he, bat. He got one at bat. My right. questions are: What if 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 you if you pull the trigger now on firing Ben Josephson? Where else are you gonna go? Who else are you gonna get? Like after, Mark Lebedew? I I if I were Canadian, I would hate that hire. Like, like I would you, I would hate bringing in anybody else, anybody who's not Canadian to lead this team. I do not think that will be well received in that locker room. Yeah, it's like once again, like there's one person, in my opinion, and and within my relation to the to this game in this country, that is universally respected. Even the people who hate him respect him. Looking at you, Brandon Bobcats. Um, (laughs) But like, like there was like like that was what it was so exciting when I was there in August for the Pan Am Cup. You had so many different different coaches from different facets of, of Canadian volleyball coming together for, for this national team in a way that we've never seen before. Like now what are we going to do? We're going to sit here like either it's Ho going to come back and we're going to bring, bring back the old, old guard, which like I, it's not the worst idea in the world, but like how, how much further does that bring us? Like it brings us to Paris and then what? Right. Right. And then, or we go international to someone who doesn't understand our systems, doesn't understand our culture and does, doesn't understand our players. Right. Furthermore, how many players did we just alienate from our program? How many former Trinity Western Spartans do we have in this program? Ryan Slater, Eric Lepke, um, Lucas Van Berkel, Derek Epp, you know, we're not going to get into the Elsers and stuff like that because I think that's a big question mark for some people. But the, still, there's there's people who make serious con- contributions to this team. Stephen Marshall, who are former Trinity Western Spartans. Now for a guy like Sclater, who's like kind of on the, in, the, in the later y- years of his career. Guy for like Stephen Marshall, who's also in these later years of his career. What, what do, do they want to come back? Right. Marshall wanted to go play beach last year. Like. But. You know, what's next? I think this is, as I said, I think this is a serious step back for Volleyball Canada. I think it's a serious step back for the men's national team. And I think that this is going to have seriously negative repercussions for uh, the game. And there's, I've, like, I feel like I've lost something, you know, like, I like I feel like I've lost someone in my family. There's been a death in the family. And you know, like one one side of it is that I'm 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 sad for Benjo, and you know I just said like I think he he deserved a chance, and I don't think that was given to him. But on, on the other side is that I don't see what's next. I don't that's, see what like like that, like that's where I'm at too. I don't understand where they go from here and what the trajectory is for the next couple of years because you've just had a year where you've broken everything down in an attempt to build it back up from the ground up. And Ben Joseph Sim was again trying to install a very technical 
system and identity of playing volleyball. And those of us who watched the Canadian team play this summer saw how it went. It did not go very well on the court. There were a lot of growing pains. But now you're going to have to start all over again. You're going to have to start all over again in a year where you're trying to even qualify for the Olympic Games. Not that there is no reason to assume that Canada is going to get to the Olympic Games at this point. But then thinking after Paris and thinking at the lower levels. I think you made a great point about emphasizing how how important Ben Josephson was to Canadian youth sports and to the junior and youth national teams in his less than a year as head coach those that's where your the real future of your program is going to come from and if you just bring in somebody somebody some non-canadian or bring glenn hogue back or god forbid go get mark lebedew for some reason if you bring in somebody like that even if they manage to band-aid fix the senior national team Every level below that in Canadian volleyball is going to suffer significantly because and I we just don't, don't yeah, understand. We don't have a head of head of the program anymore, right? And and that's that's the thing is that there was no doubt about it that when Glenn Hogue was the head coach of the national team, he was the head of the program, right? right? And he, and he and he oversaw kind of kind of everything, and that was what Ben Josephson was doing, but tenfold, right? Because remember, Benjo wasn't doing like what Hogue was doing and, and going off and, and coaching professionally over the year. Like he was going to be a full-time head coach and was going to be putting his time back into Canadian volleyball, like boots on the ground here in, in right. the non-national. He left his job yeah. at Trinity Western to do this. Yeah. So it's, I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, I'm sure Trinity Western would have him back with open arms, but I mean, let's 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 not sit here and speculate what what he's going to do next. I think that he needs to take some time to, you know, be with his family and 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 through this. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and I, I I'll, I'll say this: I haven't have any confirmation from any any players of the team, but from what it sounds like, I I, I don't never saw any. This wasn't a Lebedew situation. This is to refer to the comment uh, in the in the the uh, chat right now. I don't think this was a Lebedew situation, right? And I mean, we spoke to like like Rob, you were there at VNL, and we spoke to guys, and we saw the buy-in. We saw the buy-in from guys like Stephen Marr and Nick Hoke, right? Right. We we, we saw the buy-in from 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 everyone, top to bottom. And yes, it was it was difficult, and yes, it was tough, and yes, we can argue all day if, if, if it was the right move or not and what, what could have been done differently. But at the end of the day, there was buy-in, right? There's no dissent within, within the ranks from what we saw and, and from what I've, I've, other people I've spoken to, you know, um, have seen as, as well to people who are, who are also close to the, to, to the men's national team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is just ultimately, uh, a bad, a bad, bad move by Volleyball Canada. Um, at least give them the three years. Give them the three years to, or you know what? If it if it comes to the point where like even like after this next year it wasn't looking, but like give them that at, at least. You know, yeah. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. It's it, there's there's such a huge disconnect in the logic of this move because of how this summer was approached there's no I, I i'm convinced that there's no way ben josephson would have broken everything down to build it at such a level if he had even any suspicion that his leash might be less than a year if, if, if there he his focus was entirely on the process not the product 
obviously. I mean, we saw the product. The product wasn't very good. If he had known, if he had gotten any feedback from Volleyball Canada that he needed to immediately put more emphasis on the product, I feel like he would have. And I feel like this is he, he did not get the chance to do that because this obviously was the year to focus on the process, not the product, even though it was the world championship year. Again, the Olympics were just last year. It's a weird part in the calendar. Glenn Hogue just retired again. But like, and on top of that, when you look at our roster, right? Like we don't have a what roster to make a run anymore. Do? Yeah, we, exactly. we don't, we don't, we don't have a roster to make a run anymore. And, I have like like I've watched the growth of this sport in this country over the past 10 years and it's been phenomenal and that's why you know if I look at the junior teams and I look at that that B team that we've got like I'm very very excited about the talent that we have coming up but there's there's a bit of a lull right now right and we can we can argue and maybe the fact that there wasn't a, there, there wasn't as much of an influx of young talent to the national team and in, in, in here or there I, I think some of it has merit some of it, some of it doesn't um but you know that's just the reality of it like we during VNL, like we had, it was painfully clear that we lacked guys with with serious international talent and serious international experience. And there was only one way to do that, and that was to get it right. That that that, that was to get it. But this isn't, you know, 2011 when we're not in the World League and we're we're, we're trying to qualify it. Like we were still in the VNL. We're still amongst the best teams in the world. Like we still have however many guys playing professionally in, in, in the best teams in, in, in the world, like the bounce back was, was going to be able to happen. Um, and now it's, uh, now it's to, to me, it's just like, where, where do we go from here? And I mean, Hey, like part of me, part of me is willing to give volleyball Canada some of the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe there's a plan there. What, what could it be? What, 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 that's, that's my question. First of all, this looks terrible globally. The, as, as if Volleyball Canada didn't, like, if, if, as if the reputation of Canadian men's volleyball didn't already have a rough enough summer, this makes it look way worse. And my real question is, who's going to take this job now? Either it's somebody who wasn't your top choice last November, who you didn't give the job to last year. Why would they feel all of a sudden valued enough to take the job now or even if it, even if you go out internationally and get somebody else why would anybody feel that this is a secure position now they just hired the best possible choice in all of canadian coaching and fired him in less than a year why is this a job that anybody's going to want and what kind of confidence does it give the rest of canadian volleyball exactly right? once again this is our best guy this, this is the, the the guy who's who's done the most for volleyball in this country with within the, within these borders. Like the 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 contribution that Glenn Hogue has made is, is is immeasurable, right? And his effect on the sport in this game is is like Mount Rushmore type, like George Washington type of like stuff. He will forever be the Godfather for for more ways than one. But at a certain point, we need to build onto that, you know. Like we need to build on on the shoulders of giants, and we have one of the most stable stable bases to go off of because of what Ben, because of what Glenn Hogue and this team has created over the past decade. But we got to move somewhere forward, and why not go with the person who's been the best coach, the best coach in Canada over the past decade, and who has a who has a definitive vision. You may not agree with that 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 
that that vision and you you may you know you, you may have issues with some of the players had, that he picks to do that and, and and so on and so forth but he deserved he deserved the chance at least at least the three years how no, just just two question but no question the the and fi- firing coaches is something i've always kind of disagreed with it doesn't it, it at the end of the day unless there's something truly toxic going on there it doesn't produce the quick results as fast as you want it to and that, where are you going to go now? I just don't understand that. And there, there's a question in the chat. Is there a possibility that Gord Perrin and Graham Vigas are behind this like a Slovenian situation if they come back with a new coach? Absolutely not. And I'm not Canadian. I don't know anything. But I was there in Ottawa. I was there at the, at the end of VNL when Gord Perrin, Graham Vigas, Blair Ban, Stephen Marshall, all those guys were there. And they were celebrating Ben Josephson's first career win. They were celebrating. They were so much a part of the program, even though they weren't directly at that moment a part of the program. There is no way, and Everett, you know more than I do. From my perspective, I did not see any dissension or infighting in the locker room. You're right. You said the buy-in was there, and it was. And it was not easy to have bought into that new system, which was very difficult. It took established guys, broke them completely down, and it produced bad volleyball. But those guys bought in anyway. And it, it just has to come for me from a place of lack of communication or clearly misguided or misaligned direction between Benjo and the team and Volleyball Canada. And I do not understand where they go from here. So, I, buddy, I'm sorry. I feel for you. I, I, feel, I feel like a loss, too, because I was there that week and I got to know Ben Josephson and I got to know all the guys. And even though it didn't show up on the court, I felt it. I felt it where I, I believed in it. I believed that what they were doing was going to work. And it, this just feels like a massive, massive step backward. It does. It, it leaves the men's national team in this limbo that uh, I've never seen before. Uh, I've never experienced. Um, and I'm, I'm worried. Um, I'm not worried because I'm, the only thing that, that reassures me is because I know the quality of athlete that's coming through um the systems right now and i know the growth of the game in this country and you know the athletes that we're getting at, at the youth levels is phenomenal and clubs are doing a great job and and universities are doing a great job and, and colleges and, and and whatnot but i am seriously worried about the direction of the the men's national team um and i i don't see what the next step is here i i i really don't and uh i'm 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 honestly worried, not only for Paris, but for anything past that. Yeah. Point in the chat, Canada is an average team. You have to accept it. I don't agree with that at all, and that's not the point of this conversation. You're not understanding that there's so much more to this than the win-loss record of the senior national team. There's way, way more to it than that, as we've just gone over, and uh, saying that Canada has no chance ever to be better than they are is extremely short-sighted and i disagree so yeah and i mean there's there's one thing that i do, I do want to address also uh, the, the chat is maybe a brazilian or an italian coach can make canada goes better in the competitions okay that's from a brazilian no. guy so but yeah it's like, I, like, guy. I, I do i i want to no but I, I want to address that and like yeah there's 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 no denying that there there's probably better coaches out there and i mean for for me, like if, if we look at a guy like Benjo, it's not necessarily better in terms of like how smart he is or how prepared he is or anything like that. It's just level of knowledge at the international game and experience at the international game. Like there's there's no doubt that there's people out there that could help us. But the reality is is that they don't want to coach in Canada. The, the reality is is that we can't pay someone enough to come coach here. 
right? And the reality is that if we can, it's someone who is like Stefan Antigua who has to do it full-time year-round and coach professionally during the year and then come coach in Canada during the year. And it's, it's to be honest, it's, it's not easy to coach in Canada, especially for a lot of, a spot, a lot of, a lot of Europeans. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues there for me. And I think we've seen the, the, I think we've seen with over the past few years before, before Tom Black and now Shannon Windsor, what it was like having international coaches on the women's side. And the, we got very lucky with Stefan Antigua because he knew our system because of his relationship with Glenn Hogue. And that isn't easily recreated. So going, going internationally here is, is, is difficult, but at this point, it's the, the only option. The only, only other option I see is maybe Dave Preston doesn't want to, you know, spend his, su- spend his summers in Australia anymore. And he wants to come back and, and coach the national team. That's the but, one, the one I, thing that I was thinking of is, I, can I, they... I, I see that as a lateral move at, at best. And with all, all due respect to Dave and uh, I love, you know, love him a lot. And I love what he's done with the master and what he's done for this game. He's just, he's, I don't know if he has the vision that that this this program needs, and I thought I know Ben Josephson has that not only at the national team level, but but all the way through. And I think this is a this is a, a bad day for Canadian volleyball. This this is a bad day for Canadian volleyball, and it's it's a shame. And I'm I'm sorry we had to spend so much time on it, but uh, it was a huge piece of news that we'll obviously follow along with as the Canadian men are now back to where they were about a year ago and searching for a new head coach. So we will keep our uh, ears to the program and let you guys know when we know something, but uh, just that uh, I know it's a difficult one to talk about right now. So ever, where do you want to go from here? Do you, do you want to talk like kind of segue that into wrapping up national team season? You want to jump and talk about club a little bit? Let's, uh, let's, what do you want to do? My friend, let's, let's jump into some club volleyball because I, I'm a uh, international volleyball has got me sick to my stomach. <laughs> At least it's over for the year. It is officially now the end of national team season with the wrap-up of the Women's World Championship. We are straight back into club, and on this show, we will uh, jump in every week and catch up on what happened in club volleyball uh, over the week or over the weekend. And I want to start in the best men's league in the world, the Italian Superlega. And Everett, I don't want to kick you while you're down, but I told you so. On last week's show, you said that Verona was going to beat Perugia. Uh, I disagreed. I thought that Perugia was going to stomp them, and they did. Uh, so yeah. Verona takes their first loss of the year. Perugia looks like the best team in the league. Camille Semenyuk is the man, and I think that's all there is to say. Yeah, I mean, did I actually believe Perugia was going to lose to Verona? No, but <laughs> I needed to. I needed to say something, right? And I mean, at, at the end of the day, if like if Verona would have won that one, I would have looked like a genius. So I yeah, was absolutely true. willing. I was absolutely going <laughs> to go out on the on a limb for that one. I respect but, the reach on the take. Rock Mozic, six for 21, five errors. That's just kind of it right there. And uh, Perugia's offensive numbers as a team were unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Perugia's going to be Perugia. They're, they're going to be head over heels, the best team over, over, over everyone. And over watching the past three weekends, I don't see anyone that's playing at their level at all. And anyone that even has the, the roster, like maybe Piacenza, but I mean, we'll get to that, we'll that garbage, that, 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 that show and <laughs> show in a little bit. But I mean, if you look, I, I didn't get a chance to watch this, the Verona uh, Perugia game just because it was at the same time as the, the women's world championship finals, which like, can we not do that? Yeah, can we just like, that. can we just like, Hey, maybe let's not play any internet, any club matches on the day of a uh, world championship final. Yeah, maybe let's maybe, maybe let's maybe, maybe let's not do that. Yeah, anyway, um, uh, but but the the one thing that I did take away from this one is like Verona needs to figure out one thing. Either Gord needs to start swinging, killing, and 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 getting some 
scoring some points for for Verona because he can pass the ball or Keita needs to start passing the ball because Keita has been doing fantastic offensively but absolutely garbage in serve receive yeah his serve um, reception numbers I mean him and Mozic both passed the ball very poorly in this match and but Keita's offensive numbers 11 for 16 with one error right That's like he's offensively 60% he's, he's efficiency. so he's so dynamic yeah, and I mean awesome. what are you talking about Mozic's uh, passing numbers are fantastic he was 40 oh I'm wow sorry I'm looking 40. at Gagini it's the libero it's the nice. Right, so that that's the thing is that I, I think other teams are uh, other teams are learning. Like when when Gordon when Gord is in there, it's a much different story. And I think this this was kind of an oversight here by uh, by Stoichev to not put Gord in because Yaver like Yaverona is, is is doing that good. But like you've got Rock Mozik and Saposhkov on on either pin. You don't need Namori Keita out there as well too, taking taking a part of that pie. Right, Mozik was the leading scorer in Superliga last year. Sapochkov is this leading scorer right now. Let those two tee off. Let Gord pass him and play defense and 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 score some garbage balls, like uh, like with with these passing numbers that that you're seeing from uh, some from Keita, who's going 27 percent positive and 15 percent perfect, and the same thing for from Gagini, 29 percent positive. Yeah, that's and, that's and 12 percent perfect. Really like, bad. They need. They need Gord Perrin out there because Rock Mozic has been like solid for them in 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 serve receive, and that's really like when they have Perrin on, they try to serve Moses on the court, off the court. He stays strong and it allows them to run their offense. So they've some, something's got to be figured out there for for Verona if they want to yeah. be a legit contender. I was worried that uh, Stoichev might have a couple too many toys to play with on that team, and sure enough, I think he's going to have a really rough time figuring out the right pieces to put in the mix match over match because there are a lot of good players on that roster. How does he find which seven to put out on the court is going to be something to continue to follow along with. And then at the end of the day, uh, Perugia is Perugia, so they're the best team in the league. Whatever. Uh, speaking of, uh, if there's one good piece of news for Canadians in the men's international volleyball world, Everett, it is this. Boy, do we get a banger of a performance from Mr. Eric Lepke. And boy, have we been waiting for this. Eric Lepke, 13 for 21 attacking with zero errors and great passing numbers and an MVP performance as Toronto beats Monza 3-1. to one. That's got to make you breathe a sigh of relief a little bit, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen that Eric Lepke. I mean, like maybe like there's flashes of brilliance last year with with Padova, but back to his his Ravenna days, and and it was just like what happened to him. And it was great to see him back in action and just playing his game, um, playing aggressively and and looking confident out there. Like it's just seemed like he had lacked a little bit of confidence seeing him a little bit with Padova last year, seeing with the national team a little bit through VNL and, and, and through world championships. Um, really, really good to see him bounce back and, and have a solid game for, for Toronto uh, in, in this one. And I mean, he was phenomenal. As we said, no errors, Amazing. no errors in, in this, in, in this matchup. Yeah. Two aces and a stuff block as well. Yeah. That's the offensive performance. We've really been waiting to see from Eric Lepke. So that was great. Uh, Tommaso Stephanie, pretty good as well. 13 for 25. And on the Monza side, they're still just really continuing to struggle after Cachopa Torres ACL. They're, going to find their they're going to hopefully find their footing uh steven marr not quite as good this match seven for 16 three errors and what really jumped out to me was six service errors out of 10 attempts for marr that yeah is his, not his, good. his serving was was really bad but otherwise like it was a stellar game for marr there's a lot of like there's a lot of uh, chatter in the discord about how marr was terrible and how marr was choking and 
when I was like tuned into this match, he was, he was off at the point. I was like, Oh man, maybe Martin didn't do great. He only scored like two points in the, the first, but then as the game progressed and I thought like saw him playing, like he was hands down the best passer on the court um, for, uh, uh, for, for Monza in this one. And his, his um, numbers were the best. So yeah, that and, definitely and, makes and, sense. And, and he had fant- like pr- pretty decent numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, you have just a d- deficiency in setting for, for, for that Monza team. And um, I th- they've got, fortunately a- for them, Fortunately for them, and we were wondering about this, uh, what Monza was going to do after Cachopa tore his ACL in the preseason. They immediately hit the transfer market. They were going to go out and try and get someone last minute. They contacted Micah Christensen. That would have been awesome, but that didn't work out. Uh, But now Monza has found the answer, and it is none other than Jan Zimmerman. So Jan Zimmerman returns to the Superlega. Uh, He's set for Padova all year last year. He started this year. Uh, Bielsko Biawa in the Plus Liga, who just got promoted from the B League, played one, maybe two matches, and uh, quickly got the phone call from Monza, probably a much juicier contract, and he is on his way there. So that is a confirmed move announced by the club and the league, and we should expect to see Jan Zimmerman starting at center for Monza pretty darn quickly. So I think that should help them. I think he's yeah. an upgrade over Petar Visic. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, he's set in Superliga last year. Yeah, he's been there uh, before. For, for Padova, right? He's He's been there before. Spent he's got some time a fellow, uh, got a fellow German too. guy. Got a fellow German guy and Jürgen Groser on the right side. So uh, Absolutely. So there's a little bit of connection. He's played with Steven Marr? No, he hasn't played with Steven Marr before. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the kind of the best move that they could make right now. Um, oh, definitely. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what they need. And until Kachopa comes back, which might not be this season, it probably won't be this season. So probably won't be um, this season. And yeah, that is, that is a crying shame. Uh, but yeah, this is the best that they could do for now. And, uh, so Jan Zimmerman is headed to Monza. We'll see how quickly that can kind of turn their start of the season around. Uh, really quick, we've got a couple more matches in the Superliga to get to. Uh, Milano beat Siena 3-0. to zero. Nothing really to talk about here. Milano is no. better than Siena, uh, although it is kind of notable that Yuki Ishikawa didn't start, but no no real cause for alarm there for me. I think it's actually kind of good that they can move uh, Ibadapur, Ishikawa, and Mergarejo and interchange them and play different matches. Don't if you're a Japanese fan, don't that's a non that's a non non-story. Whatsoever. Totally a non-story. Absolutely. Don't that's worry a, about hey, that. Hey, Ishikawa, you take a you take a day off. I mean yeah. you've got three you've got three fantastic outsides on the on that Milano team who all bring a little bit of of a, of a different different vibe, but are all all great. So, yeah, I mean, you can you can work those guys through inter- interchangeably. I know Japan. Any any time one of your guys isn't getting like the most preferred treatment ever, you freak out a little bit. But this is this is fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, that's all I have to say about that match. Yeah. Sienna is not good. Whatever. Uh, however, we did have this particular matchup, which was kind of interesting. Matchup uh, now, of the undefeated <laughs> relegation teams. Really undefeated. <laughs> the two early undefeated, uh, but my two early candidates in the preseason for relegation, which so far I was wrong about. But sure enough, only one of them could remain undefeated, and that is Chisterna. So Chisterna beats Pot of a three sets to one. And I mean, Chisterna looks good. F.A. Byram was awesome. 10 for 20, only one error. Oh, but uh, about Peter Derlich, though, 19 for 35, only three errors. Sick, like, man. 
that's Chesterna's out here. Awesome. They're they're looking good. They're looking confident. Their jerseys are pretty nice this year too. Yeah, their like, jerseys are good. Their 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 jersey two, numbers. Two their, their jersey numbers are about like size four. Their their jersey numbers are so small, but otherwise I like the look. Uh, Marco Sedlicek, great as well. Fourteen for twenty seven. I mean, Chesterna looks good. I think both of these teams, I think I said last week, like neither of them have uh, obviously watched my preview of the Super League when I said they were both going to suck and maybe get relegated because they're both playing with a lot of confidence. But uh, definitely Padova came back to earth a little bit here. Uh, we had another classic Dushan Petkovic set line, uh, 18 for 43 with six errors. That is just absolutely classic, classic like 25% efficiency. And uh, Ron Takahashi, unfortunately, negative efficiency on offense. So... Uh, Chief Standard did their homework scouting and blocking against him and uh, ended up having to be benched for Matisse DeSmet. So not quite as good of a start or not good of a performance for Padova as early, but uh, who knows? It'll, it will, it'll be really interesting uh, next week because uh, Chisterna plays their first real opponent kind of in Trentino. Um, yes. So that... That, that, that will be that one. And I mean, we can just jump to it right now in Trentino. Um, I mean, I guess we'll have to see because they're coming off a loss to Piacenza, although we have to put an asterisk on this. Huge no, asterisk. No Riccardo Spertoli uh, in this one. And this is why we can talk about Trentino all we want. You had r- no Spertoli. Who was the kid that they put in? I, I can't remember his uh, name right Nicolo now. Nicolo De Palma, 19-year-old yeah. kid. He yeah, 19-year-old. He not locate the ball. He looked terrible. He, Yeah, he <laughs> looked good. terrified. I mean, I, I remember we used to make fun of Palaporo when he first started for, for Modena, mostly, mostly because he was just swimming in that jersey, and I'm pretty sure it was a small anyways. Um, <laughs> but De Palma looked shaky out yeah, there. And I mean, hey, 19 good. years old. He had just come up from the kind of the, just been called up from from the junior team too. So, but on the flip side of that, when you look at these these set scores and you look at this how this game uh, like like panned out, and I watched this game. This game was a lot closer than these than the three one score uh, shows. Agree. And this game, like it, it's uh, there's no conversation for Trentino for me. The, all the conversation is on Piacenza because there was many moments and there was a serious point where I was like. Holy crap, Piacenza is going to lose this one. They're going to start 0-3, and they're going to lose to Trentino with a 19-year-old rookie setter who's like not great. It's terrible. <laughs> Trentino or Piacenza needs to figure something out because they were absolutely so fortunate, the fact that Trentino didn't have Spertoli today, because it was, it would have been 3-0 for, for Trentino, and I fully believe that. Piacenza's got to figure out their outside hitter position. I do not know. Somebody get in the chat if you know if you know what is actually going on here because Yuan de Leal started the first two matches and then was Ronnie, Ronnie, tell Ronnie, us. help, like, help, dude. Your boy Yuan is Leal, on that team. Yuan like, de Leal didn't even dress for this match. He's not even on the stat sheet, didn't play at all. Ricardo Lucarelli started. It was his first start of the year after he didn't even dress the first two matches, he, but he got benched. Was, he there got was, benched in the no, second set. He didn't get benched. He got injured. There was there was a moment Again? where there was a there, there was a ball up at oh. the and he just like he jumped for it and and just couldn't even jump and then was pounding on his leg the entire time. I don't know if it was a cramp or if there was something there. But yeah, Lucarelli Lucarelli really got injured. Similar, so that's man. that's like that's that's why like I mean like we have to like put definitely put an asterisk on this the fact that they had Luca Basic playing on the left side, but still like still you still have Simone you still have Brizard like running the show um who who did they have on on the right side again uh, oh yeah 
Romano, obviously. Uh, Simone was good. Uh, Kaneski was excellent attacking. Kaneski was 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 fantastic. Yeah, Rechine, not very good at all. I expected more out of him. I mean, Luka Basic, he is what he is. He's just not not gonna probably not gonna win you a match. I didn't think he lost them the match. Uh, Yuri Romano's numbers were not that good. Fourteen for thirty-eight attacking with six errors. He did have the he ripped an ace to win the match, which was pretty dope. And it was classic Romano. Classic (laughs) Romano. Gamer, you know, like total gamer, absolutely. ripped an ace serve in a clutch situation. But uh, like his not... game, his gamer stat in a volleyball game would be so high, or it's like clutch <laughs> stat. Like you know, he's it, it would be so high because yeah, like how many be... times do we see this from him now? He's got to be better from points one through twenty though, and he just wasn't. So um, <laughs> it's it's bummed it's bummed to, to hear that Lucarelli got hurt again because it sounds like exactly what happened at the World Championship where it was uh, an upper leg cramp or muscle tear or partial tear there was some issue in lucarelli's leg it sounded like the same thing so big asterisk on this match piacenza's got to get healthy trentino's got to get spiritually back i hear he's got like an abdominal muscle muscle issue and it might be a couple weeks still so maybe chisterna steals one from him with another like rookie setter terrible performance who knows i mean yeah if if they don't have like chisterna's that good that if uh trentino doesn't have uh um why am I blanking on Spertoli's name right now? Um, Spertoli, that like I think Tristerna can take them, and with the consistency that they've been playing with this year, I think that they'll see this as an opportunity and 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 really run after it. Um, Tough but, week yeah. for Trentino because not Trentino does play Chisterna on Sunday, but also they've got a Thursday match this week, uh, and they, they they play they do they play none other than Lube Chiva de Nova on Thursday. And assuming that okay. that assuming that Trentino is going to have the backup setter in again, I think we know that's going to. I think we probably know how that's going to go for them. Speaking of Lube, they really righted the ship this weekend. A three zero beat down over Modena. This was never even close. These set scores were not close at all, and I can't wait to bring up some of the stats. One sec, let me pull them up. 25-21, 25-13, 25-19. Beat down. Not even yeah. Um, Just not a great day for Modena at all. And I mean, Modena, I think that's another team that we're going to need to look for um, once again, just because of the, the aging stars. But Lube, figuring it out, starting to starting to come together now. Yeah, they got Marlon Yant back. He was able to start the match at outside hitter. Uh, that was hugely helpful. He went 13 for 13 20 for with 20. only one error. Yikes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's 60, gross. 60% efficiency. That's ridiculous. And uh, almost as good, Ivan Zaitsev, 15 for 22 with only two errors. That's uh, about 60% efficiency as well. Uh, Lube's, I mean, Lube had 65% kills as a team, which is crazy. I'm going to calculate their efficiency really quick. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Also, uh, also, Lube going with the uh, Matias. Five sixty-five. Five sixty-five. Lube hit five sixty-five as a team against a team of Modena's caliber. Uh, they passed fifty-nine percent positive as a team. And Modena, I, I mean, I didn't watch this match, but the stats tell the real story here. They just apparently couldn't put any pressure on at all. Yeah. Yeah. They. Uh, it looks like offense. I mean, offensively, I just don't know how many how many options they have. Like they Who, have Engapeth, not much. Who's you know, I think Angapeth is fantastic in that French system, right? When he has a setter that that understands him, and obviously Bruno understands it, but I just it's just not working as it's the same way this this time around. And there's just there's just a disconnect. And you know, maybe Chungapeth is uh, <laughs> is you know it's it's starting it's starting to get in get into to him a little bit. But I also think that's just early in the season. You know, it's been a long international year with VNL 
and with uh, with the World Championships. So I think Engapath is just kind of mailing it in at this point. It'll be interesting to see how he plays in like February and March. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like this Modena team, I think is 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 truly going to struggle. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like uh, to me, is like who's going to struggle more, Modena or Piacenza? You know, Ronnie in the chat, Engapath fat, <laughs> not mincing any words right there. Uh, yeah, I mean. Lu- at the end of the day, you can't let it hit. You can't let a team hit five sixty five against you. That's no completely ridiculous, and you're never going to win a match that way. So uh, good for Lube. They look great. Uh, who does Modena have this weekend? They have Milano. Could be a low key, pretty good match. Yeah, and I mean to be honest, I think where Modena's really starting to struggle is down the middle. We, I mean, we love Daddy Stankovic. We it's know his he's our birthday. Like, our Howard and dare you. But you know what? He's out there getting more <laughs> blocks than his compatriot in, in Tobias Crick. Um, who, you That's because sure he's the he greatest. Made, he made, I'm That's sure to, Crick made a nice little TikTok, Crick talk, if you will, uh, about his, his game off of like the, the few times that, that he touched the ball. Um, We're not but, allowed to uh, talk down to Daddy Stankovic on this show. That is a rule. <laughs> but I, I, I mean... I didn't. I, I mean, I'm with you. He, he's not gonna. He's never gonna score double digit points in a match, but he is gonna look amazing doing it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like Rinaldi being a guy right now for Modena just doesn't work. Nope. It just like, if, if you want to be if you want to be a serious if you want to be a serious team, you can't have Rinaldi out there. I'm, I'm sorry, he's just he's just, he's just not it. Nope. You not know? yet, anyway. No. Off the coming off the bench is all right, but he can't be your starter. No. No. Nope nope so uh that's it for the super Lager from this past weekend uh coming up this weekend like i said uh trentino versus lube on thursday then uh saturday we got verona versus toronto siena versus piacenza sunday modena versus milano monza versus lube padova versus perugia and trentino versus cisterna so uh i would say there's there's pretty clear favorites in most of those games unless cisterna can steal one from trentino with a backup setter yeah, we'll have to see what uh, Trent, how how Spertoli is looking uh, coming up to this one. But yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, I, I would probably say just turn on this one if if Trent doesn't have a sir. Yep. Uh, let's take a quick look at the Polish league. Uh, the Polish Plus Liga uh, is through four matches right now at this Ronnie, point. You're so wrong. <laughs> what did Ronnie say? R- Rinaldi. Rinaldi. Is equal to Botolo? It... No, not you're even so close. wrong. That's Dude, so. That's, that's a terrible funny. take. Botolo is I, way better I, than Rinaldi. I used to respect you as a volleyball mind, and then you no, say stuff like that. Like, no, what are you Ronnie. saying? No, that's goodness that's a, gracious. That's a really bad take. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Poland now. We're talking about yeah, the let's, let's go to Poland. Uh, there are only two undefeated teams left in Poland. One of them is Jaszemski Vengil, and they look great. We'll talk about their match uh, in just a second. But also up at the top is Aseko Rasovia. Uh, which their fans have not seen in a very long time. Uh, the Rosovia curse has at least lifted itself for the first month of the season. We'll see when it, uh, what sort of inopportune time it decides to come back. Uh, but Zhezhov looks great. TJ DeFalco looks great. Good for them. Uh, and also towards the top of the standings, a couple of the three and one teams. I mean, those top six teams there, we expect five of those six teams to be good. But what about Stal Nissa? How about Stalnissa, man? Starting off three and one a year after playing in the relegation series. Uh, good for them. Wasim Bentara looks great. Yeah, absolutely. Stalnissa, three and one so far. They do have to play Zaxa this week. Like yeah, their next, yeah. their their next match is up <laughs> against Zaxa, so their time might be a little bit, little bit up. But hey, like, why not? Like, who, who do they, they beat? Savaki, they beat Lubin, the Radom, 
and they lost to Belgetov in in Scra in, right. in five. So those, I mean, those are the teams they're going to be competing against for like lower tier playoff spots, and especially for not getting relegated, and they're winning all those matches. So good for them. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think them being undefeated or sorry, three and one so far is is punching a little bit of above their yeah. weight, but product I mean, of hey. a bit of a weak schedule. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what we'll see what they can do. Who's who's on their roster? Let's 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 go through this a little bit. Uh, um, if if you watch, they have Bushek. They have Bushek, and they have and he can pass, and they have Bentara. Okay. Yeah, so Stalinus is a lot better than they were last year, so that's cool. But I do want to spend some time talking about this match. Uh, we hyped it up last week. It was clearly the best, like the only Plus Liga match that you really wanted to watch this past weekend, and that was JW versus Xavierche. Now. If you saw the preview show that Adonis and I did on the Plus Liga, he actually picked Xavierche to win the entire league this year. And it just did not really go that way for them this time. A pretty easy 3-0 beatdown, 25-20, uh, 25-18, 25-22. And Stefan Boyer looks like the opposite that we've been waiting for him to be for years now. Yeah, he, I mean... He's he's coming back into it. We start, started seeing it a little bit this year uh, with the national team, but he's kind of back in his old form. And that that threesome that they have on the outside with Clevno, Fornal, and uh, and Boyer is scary. It's good. It's, I'm, yeah. it's 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 scary out there. Um, and then you fact that you add to the fact that you've got Tony Uti setting for them. You have Papa Jack passing. Um, this JW team is really really good. Wisniewski and Glider down down the middle. Like uh, this JW team is, is, is very, very good. And I like them a lot. Yeah. I mean, like I've kind of been saying about them, I think if they want to legitimately win championships, both in the plus Liga and maybe make a deep run in champions league, I think Stefan Boyer has got to be the guy at opposite. His ceiling is higher, but he's had huge, he's had huge consistency issues, uh, which are well documented on both club and the national team. But throughout the season so far, he looks great. So uh, good for him. He, he doesn't mean to be, need to be the guy. Right. right, he doesn't. Exactly. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to take on a massive load. You've got two fantastic outsides uh, on the left side who can pass, who can serve. Sometimes we're full now. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's you know <laughs> Owen, Owen like eight, yeah. eight, eight, eight errors. Um, and then Klefno, who's you know as we as we know can be world class at 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 times and, and is shifty and, and has a lot of shots. So you can spread out that offense. You can dish some to the middle we know tony uti likes to likes to run his guys there's familiarity there so as long as boy doesn't get get his ego in the way and doesn't need to be the guy i think jw can make a serious run i think they can too and i think mendez is a, is approaching this the right way and starting Boyer all the time and if you see early that you get a terrible stefan Boyer that day which sometimes is going to happen then you very quickly put in jan hadrava and i actually think that that's a pretty good formula for them so uh, the Hadrava master does well coming off the bench. You know, he always he's, has he's wise relatively. He's, he's, he's wise in his, <laughs> in his old age. Uh, and I think it's just like, it's just a different look. Once you bring in Hadrava, like the high flying Boyer, who's a righty. And I mean, Tony knows him so well, and you can put him so tight to the net just because he has that ability to just go over top and high off the hands. Whereas Hadrava, you can also put him tight to the net because Hadrava is going to ping you off the elbows all day with he's that. Gonna that try lefty, and break, that he's going to try and break your fingers or yeah, absolutely stuffed so hard straight down. Uh, talking about Xavierche for a minute, uh, Bartosz Kvolek, not good this match. Six for mm. 23, blocked three times. Not good at all. Uh, Konarski, uh, okay, I guess. Nine for 20, uh, 35% efficiency. That's all right. Uh, passing numbers for Xavierche, not good. And uh, definitely not 
the, the numbers are very clear on this one. Uh, Xavier Chin, not good, not as good in passing, not as good in attack percentage, and not as good in serving serve reception. So uh, JW kind of looks like the team to beat right now. I mean, the thing is that the, the passing on this team is going to be suspect. Um, you've got Kovacevic, who's... They've got Donati, right. though. Donati's got to be better. I mean, Donati's got to be a great thing. defender, but an average passer. 8% perfect passing. If, if there's, if there's one, like, like, I think Donati's actually a bad passer. He's fantastic defensively, ridiculous defensively, but he's not a great passer. And and that's kind of really coming, like, really obvious right now when you're when you're looking at these stats. And he just doesn't... That was one thing when I watched Argentina in, in person this year, is that they, they don't inspire confidence passing wise now i remember back in you know when argentina used to play us in world league passing they were so strong and i forget who their libero was at the time but they just uh, had, probably alexi they, gonzalez he was the man yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and he was just like the guy and he he ran that backcourt but the nani doesn't do he's a little bit quieter he's he's more athletic but passing is not his strong suit and this this just a team is going to struggle to pass this year yeah, 8% perfect passing for Denani, 4% perfect passing for Kovacevic. That is not very good. Uh, so that's about it for the Plus Liga. Let me see what's coming up this weekend. Can, can, we, can we address that we have Dan Manili in the chat right now? Dan, you still know what a volleyball is? <laughs> uh, what's, what's going on that's good this weekend? Uh, Scrab Elkata versus Rasovia is a pretty good match. Uh, that is on Saturday. Uh, Zavierce versus Olsten is a pretty good match. That's also on Saturday. And uh, that's about it. That's really notable before the next show. So uh, we will keep our eyes on the Plus Liga as always. Uh, one that, uh, Everett, I know you wanted to bring up was in the Bundesliga. We had an early meeting of probably the best two teams in the league in Germany, at least the perennially best two teams in the league. And that was with Berlin beating Friedrichshafen three sets to one. Uh, I've got a couple Canadians on Friedrichshafen, so I know that's cool. Is Blair Band playing? Uh, no, not yet. Doesn't no, he, he hasn't. He hasn't played yet uh, in the Bundesliga. So yeah, th- th- this is a, an early one. I don't think Berlin is as good as they've been in years past, but I do think that they are um, uh, still pretty solid. We'll have to see how Friedrichshafen answers. Of course, they've got Lebedu at the at the helm again. It's basically the same cast of guys for uh, Friedrichshafen again. So, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll have to, we'll have to see how they they bounce back. But to me, like the interesting stuff always happens like underneath that level in in the Bundesliga. It me always too. happens around or around the, uh, the the secondary teams because, I mean. You've got Hershing uh, with with two victories, Berlin with two victories, Gießen with a couple of victories, Lundberg at at one in one. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I, I love I, I love watching the Bundesliga. Yeah, bounce, could, like... bounce house is electric. They just put out a jersey tier list earlier today, which I thought was really funny. And the the like tier list labels on the left, like where that kind of bend each of the teams were almost Ronnie Cuban spike like uh, uh my my friend on Instagram DM me they were 10 out of 10 really nice bro looks fine barely okay that's a no-go really bad and then crime against humanity so I think we can but, but th- those ones make sense like those are funny like at least they make sense Ronnie's Ronnie's tier list doesn't make sense right like but it's how, just as how do you how, how do you differentiate from su- ultra from super you know because uh. thanks for participating <laughs> mega super uh speaking of which uh subscribe to be a member to the channel to get uh, your own tier list uh we see ray ray, ray ru iroh 
Is that how I say your name, bro? Uh, Close in, enough. In the chat there. Yeah, we've we've got we've got the Cuban spike tier list going on there. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, anything else about this Germany match? I I don't really think there is. No, uh, th- that's it. Uh, but next, I want to talk about uh, some stuff in France going on because the LNV uh, season has begun. Um, and now you know. Usually, I watch the French kind of the French league kind of at a far, but I think I, I want to watch it a little bit more. And there's, there's two undefeated teams right now. And Rob, both you and I are going to have interest in this one. The first one uh, is the men in green over there. Tocoing. They got a big win three, two over Chaumont. And that's led by three Canadians. Got a blank blanks. is going to slip the rock. Uh, Riley Barnes, who's been absolutely killing it for them and looking really good. Like better MVP than he did. Performance. MVP performance in this one. Uh, and then Lucas Van Burkle in the middle. So Tokoing looking to make some waves early on um, in the LNV led by three Canadians. So if you've got, if you're looking for a team to support as a Canadian fan this year, um, definitely, definitely check out Tokoing because they've, they've got the juice. They, they, they've got the juice for, for sure. And, th- and that's going to be a fun team to watch, but this, you know, Tokoing is, is a team that um, has been in the LNV for a number of years. They're a, continuously a playoff team, and the LNV is possibly the closest in terms of, of quality. Like their their top it teams really is, is, is like like you have teams like Cons who wins in two, in twenty twenty one and gets relegated last year. Montpellier <laughs> wins last year, and they're they're like it's 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 really hard. Dead There's so much parity so in in the yeah. French league. So I want to turn your gaze to the other uh, undefeated team that is a little bit more. Um, Un- unexpected, and that's going to be Saint Nazaire. And Saint Nazaire is a team that actually was promoted from LNVB last year. They hadn't been in uh, in League A since 2015. After that, they were only there for one year. And after that, they had got relegated all the way down to the third league and had to work their work their way back up. But this team is three and zero so far with wins over teams like Seth and Montpellier, who are perennial powers uh, in this league. And it's because of mainly two can uh, two Americans. Sorry, uh, first and foremost, I mean we've made a lot of fun of Kyle Ensing over the years for playing in Israel, and I mean he's not playing in Israel right now. He's playing in the French league, so that, there we go. But Kyle Ensing has been absolutely massive. But Quinn Isaacson, we who we saw who's setting for the American national team this year as uh, uh, the the B team is is setting for them, and he's been doing a phenomenal job. Saint Nazaire is three and zero with three different hitters leading him in in each different match. So he's spreading that offense out. It's not just all going to Ensing. They've got this other um, this other dude who I th- I think he's from co- like um, like the Ivory Coast or something. Where 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 is he from here? Um, uh, Helder Spencer. He oh, where is he from? Oh no, Cape Verde. Cape Verde. I apologize. Wow, two, two what are different places? What an obscure yeah, one. but That's he really has cool. been like I. I need to go back and, and watch some video of him because he has been putting up numbers for this team, and he's been like consistently their their most consistent consistent scorer uh, this season. Uh, like just this past weekend against a set, he was their leading scorer with, with 17 points. And that's out of the middle in the two middle. Aces. Yeah. Yeah. Two aces, nine for 13 and six blocks. So, and I mean, <laughs> what's, what's interesting right now too, for, um, for St. Nazaire is St. Nazaire is a team that it's, it's a small coastal town and it's always been run by the same guy. They've had the same coach. Like when you go back in volleyball, volleyball, they have the same coach, since like 2005, Gilles Gosselin. But this year, for the first time, he's just the manager, and they've got a Brazilian coach, Robert Lee Luiz uh, Leonardo. 
So we're seeing some serious changes happening for, for the Saint as air team as they're bringing some, some, some teams in. So that is going to be a very interesting team to watch this, this year, I think, especially because Quinn Isaacson has been doing so good and Kyle Ensing. I mean, he was almost all world for you as a, at the VNL this year. And it's great to see him back in a real league. I'm thrilled with the development of both Quinn Isaacson and Kyle Ensing and, but, playing Kyle finally playing in a proper league again and uh Quinn looks great I think he's the the third setter in the USA pipeline right now I mean it's probably him and James Shaw uh behind Tuaniga and Christensen and uh Isaacson has about five years of youth advantage on Shaw so uh, I love what I'm seeing yeah the San Jose team is fun uh I would like to watch a lot more LNV as well and it's I'm pretty sure it's free to watch and not geoblock is that correct yeah, I think I think so too. Let's 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 look into that. But uh, and I think they also have mostly have a baseline angle. So oh, that's that's one that's one thing. It's it's from high amazing. up. Uh, one thing that we're seeing in the chat here from Matt Buff. I'm pretty sure Isaacson was supposed to be a volunteer assistant at Kentucky before having incredible and senior season. Awesome. That's that's pretty dope. That's that's a that's a fantastic turnaround. Uh, also, Lorenzo cool. is playing. Yes, Lorenzo, uh, the the Portuguese, uh, one of the, the the main guys from their run in the uh, LNVB last year, uh, is still holding it down. He was one of their leading scores. I think it was against uh, uh, Poitiers uh, this year. So yeah, Saint Nazaire is going to be an interesting team to to watch, and uh, our American fans are going to have a little bit more reason to do so. Check it out, Everett dropping knowledge about the French league. I love it. That's that's what, you, that's what you come to the nine my nine four boys and girls. All right, uh, we had a question in the chat earlier. As we, I think that does, uh, just about does it for club news. A question earlier about are we gonna do a national team wrap up like someone suggested in the Discord? Yes, I think we should. I know it's been a long show. We were gonna start the show with it, but we obviously had to address the firing of Ben Josephson. Uh, but I think I think ever we should go through it now, especially because uh, we will not be having a show next week. So let's tie a bow on this summer of national team volleyball a little bit, uh, kind of pull some storylines, some players out and uh, just uh, tie a nice little bow around it for the people as we really start to dive into club season. So uh, let's start with, uh, as, as one of our friends in the discord suggested, our most memorable matches of the summer. Uh, I know you've you've got a few written down. Uh, what do you have in mind for some of the most memorable matches of this summer on the national team level, either VNL World Championship or even like I don't know Challenger Cup or Pan Am because you were there or anything that sticks out in your head is a great match. Ooh, so I I have a few. Um, I'm gonna go in most recent, uh, most recently Japan versus Brazil, uh, the quarterfinal from the uh, women's world championships. It was phenomenal to watch. That match was 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 so good. Japan was just playing a different style of volleyball and executing it so well, and is so fun to watch. And I, I really do wish that they would have would have won that match. Of course, we probably wouldn't have had the epic Brazil versus Italy matchup afterwards, but still, uh, that Jap- Japan versus. Um, Japan versus uh, Brazil match was was phenomenal. Um, the other quarterfinal that we'll look at is going to be the Japan versus France quarterfinal uh, that we saw at the Men's World Championships. Uh, that was just an, another incredible, in, in, awesome. in, in, incredible match uh, back and forth. Uh, 
like yeah it just, best it i've just, ever yeah. seen yuji nishida play I, I really liked that match exactly Japan showed like, up great and they, both they, world championships they just didn't go away and uh that's what i really love watching and then on the canadian side i got to give a shout out to to the women's team being the dominican republic in the last game of this season uh it felt like a truly triumphant win the best it, it, it secured the best finish in program history at the world championships you're beating the long time um you know kind of dreaded regional rival uh and i think really just put us in the map that they were here and we're, we're ready to play thank god uh <laughs> you know yeah yeah at least yeah. at least one side of the canadian program has got its act together right about now uh yeah that's a great one uh, i've got two picks uh both on the men's side one was united states versus france and the vnl and i'm not talking about the vnl final i'm talking about when we played them and i think it was week mm. two where yeah, we, we, we beat them in five after getting embarrassed the first two sets and, and coming back and really showing a lot of heart and effort and getting by France in the fifth. I really enjoyed that match. And then another one that's kind of obscure that I like to go back and rewatch is Germany versus Serbia week one in VNL Ottawa. I like to rewatch it because I was on the call. Yeah, uh, that, 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 was, one's, that one's obvious. Right. I was on the call for that one, but it, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was a cool one for me because that was my first week. Uh, commentating national team on site that was really cool for me to do and that match was ridiculous uh it was a five setter that germany won on an ace and extra points and of the five sets four of them went into overtime and so that match ruled crazy competitive back and forth and uh i i enjoyed the way that i called that match so go back and watch the highlights if you want i did a really good job so that was my favorite uh, that was also also when we got introduced to in Malnets um aquaman oh, on, on serbia too. he shaved so, his beard by the way have you seen the pictures of him without any I, facial I, hair i have i have seen them there's Terrifying. no men's volleyball player i stalk quite like nikola melnianats he's fascinating <laughs> to me he's he's he, he's awesome you know it's almost in a predatory way but we we won't get there um we've we've got some really good um best matches in the chat best matches like the the france versus usa vnl final of course that Cuba was a versus good Brazil, one first match Cuba, of the world championship that was a I good also, one I, I also thought about uh, putting that one out um bu- 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 brazil versus poland Ooh, slovenia versus france and pools that was a good one that was a sick one and that one was also really nice because i was watching it on my phone in a park while having a picnic so it was just like <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember it nicely someone else denmark versus turkey european qualifiers had <laughs> jk um that, that is funny so yeah i, I a- personally enjoyed uh usa 3-0 over canada and the vnl whenever it sang my national anthem on the show shortly after i, I really enjoyed that one yeah that was uh, <laughs> that was a tough one so oh, uh, yeah I, I personally enjoyed canada's three nothing or three two win over the usa at the pan am cup that was uh that that wasn't that was another fun one too team um, nobody cares yeah i know i gotta gotta give me something <laughs> right now bro i'm suffering i'm I'm like literally the the worst is the minute that we announced it. Like my phone is blow, blowing up, and like people are, uh, um, yeah, people I mean, are messaging me like this is happening. I'm like, bro, like I'm live on the show right now. Seymour, I'm looking at you, bro. You can't message me. Um, <laughs> you can't Don't message me asking me if this is true while true. while we're on the show. It's true. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. Continue to wrap up national oh, yeah, team sorry. season. Uh, I mean, most disappointing team of the summer, I think your answer probably goes without saying. I don't think we really need to even talk about the Canadian men again. But I was really disappointed by the Bulgarian men's team. I thought they had a terrible summer. Uh, They weren't nearly as good as I thought they should have been in VNL, despite the breakout 
look of Alex Nikolov, and then they weren't good at all at the World Championship, losing that five setter to Mexico. Oh shoot, that's another one of my best matches this summer. It was a good Watching one. that yeah. Mexican team was was so much fun. Had, had just really like hats off to Mexico. Super happy for them for them to get that win. Um, but uh, remember at the beginning of the year when we did the the VNL show at at TV Place and we <laughs> said that Bulgaria was going to be good and Serbia was going to be garbage. Oops, uh, that was a miss. Wrong. Uh, yeah, you don't come here for takes that are correct, and if you do, you, you're in the wrong. I mean, place. we're correct most of the time, but we also admit when we're wrong. We're not Skip yeah. Bayless out here. Oof. Yeah, right about that one. How about uh, on the opposite side of that, the most impressive team of the summer, uh, men's or women's, Everett, who stuck out to you? Uh, it has to be Serbia women to me. I mean, I think like like they just did it on so many different levels. Bronze at the VNL without Boscovic. They dominate world championships. I know that's an easy one, but hey, this is a team that's bounced back, bounced back from a distant Olympic year last year. And once again, bronze at the VNL without Boscovic, like, if if you watch their their performance this year uh, at the World Championships, you could say that hey, this team has no chance worse without Boscovic. But they showed that they could do it without her at the, at the VNL, getting getting that bronze. I think Santa really did a fantastic job, and they put themselves at the top. So I, I think there's there's no more impressive team than the best team in the world right now. Uh, easy answer, but a good one, especially because of what they did at VNL. I think that might have been even more unlikely than the World Championship win. Uh, my most impressive team in the summer is the Japanese women. I mean, you, that was my other one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, t- you talked about the quarterfinal they lost to Brazil and how unbelievable that match was. But you got to remember that they were 8-0 at one point in VNL before uh, slowing down a little bit and kind of and limping into the playoffs. But the Japanese women had a really good summer and uh, kind of put their national team, at least on the women's side, on the map a little bit. And, I, I mean, their men's team has caught fire, at least in popularity, the last couple of years for better or for worse but uh the women's team i was really 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 impressed by and they were just fun to watch so wanted to give them a shout out i mean ultimately i think the popularity of their men's team is for the better it just gets it gets a little annoying sometimes but yeah yeah. it is and uh, in the chat the the japanese v-league men's side does start this week so uh it starts uh friday got a couple high profile foreigners in there that we talked about last week so check that out if you can Yep, Aaron Russell, Schwan Vernon Evans, Bartosz mm-hmm. Jurek. Should be fun. Mazursky. Um, Mazursky, Kubiak. It's g- good stuff uh, over there. Uh, what's, 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 the, uh, what's the next question? Uh, breakout player. Uh, it was a breakout Ooh. player. Mine, my pick is, even though he didn't have as good of a world championship as he had at VNL, my pick is Amin Esmailanejad from Iran. He was just so gnarly good at VNL out of absolutely nowhere. I think he kind of defined a breakout player for that reason. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And I mean, he was definitely someone I thought of, uh, but his performance at the World Championships and just how he kind of disappeared completely. I mean, I don't think he just wasn't getting that much volume as much, but still um, at, the, at the World Championships kind of took him away. And, and I went like a little bit different with that because I picked a player who I think is breaking out to be in, in one of the elite in the game. And, and my pick is going to be Daniele Livia. Um, because let's be honest, for a long time, our talk is about about Micheletto and Micheletto this and Unicorn that and look at everything he's been <laughs> doing at Trentino and look at everything he's been doing at the European Championships. And while last year, you know, this, this is going to go back even back to, to last year at this time, um, because while Micheletto led Italy in scoring at the European Championships last year, Lavia was actually the top scorer in the finals with, with 21 points. And he's kind of continued that, whereas like we've talked at length this year a number of times, both in the club season and the, and the national team season, about how Micheletto's kind of fallen off a bit. You know, people are starting to figure him out. He kind of looks tired, whereas Lavia has been hands down fantastic. It was He was really great for, for uh, Trentino this year. And I think he stepped up massively and was hands down 
they're the most cons- uh, after Gianelli, of course, Livia was the most consistent scorer and consistent player. And just, you know, he is, he is Italy's Semenyuk. And I wouldn't have called that the year before. So I think, you know, my breakout player of the year is Dan- Daniele Lavia, just because of the way that he's broken into the kind of that elite category of, of players we have right now. It's a really good pick. Also an elite blocker, elite, and, elite uh, wing blocker on both sides. His, his game all around to me is, is so impressive. He passes well. He plays defense, right? His, he's not too flashy. This is why I'm, I'm comparing him to Semenyuk because he's not too flashy. He's not a high flyer. He's just a big, big body that, that plays the game well um, at a lot of levels, right? So, and at the same time, he's only 22 years old. So like Whew. you can absolutely call him a breakout player because, you know, if he was in North America, he'd still be playing university. And what and segue that Everett into your kind of big storyline takeaway for the entire summer. I think that's a perfect point. Yeah, I, I think the youth movement has begun on the men's side and on the women's side, especially on the women's side. Uh, we are seeing it like the, the, the torch is being passed. Um, I think that's exactly what we're seeing kind of in the Superliga right now with older teams like Modena and Piacenza starting to crumble apart. We're starting to see that youth movement happen at, at Lube and the, those those other teams that are going younger are going to see good. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of good kids come up right now, like Alex Nikolov, um, how many how many on the women's side we talked about thinking about thinking about the men's side nikolov mikoleto yant and mozic are all 20 or younger mergarejo as as well i mean saposhkov's like 22 is is namori keita and then like women's side we talked about like all the best five opposites in the world are all under the age of 25 it's crazy yeah yeah so there's just there's a lot of good things in that the game is, is is going through a youth movement we're at the dawn of a new era of volleyball. And I'm really excited about that. I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see, I, I think, I, I hope that right now we're seeing some of the, the young stars. I mean, remember once again, Paolo Ogonu is, is among those young stars. He's only like what, 22. Um, same thing with, with Karakurt. Uh, I, I, I truly think that these young stars are going to help grow the game more so than it's ever grown before. Yep, I totally agree, and ho- let's just hope a, a certain entity can uh, market them correctly in the way that they deserve. Uh, a couple points in the chat before I bring up my my kind of last point. One is uh, Ronnie, Jesus Herrera over Amin. Uh, I didn't say best player, I said breakout player, and I would still probably pick Amin over Herrera. So you can Herrera's got to do that. something. Herrera's got to do something first. Uh, Brazil, the Brazilian men, uh, or maybe no Brazilian women, Brazil reaching two finals. Yeah, it must be the Brazilian women. Uh, they have had a good summer. I actually think that both the Brazilian men and women have had better summers than I thought that they were going to. Uh, most disappointing team, Women's USA, definitely not, other than the not meddling at VNL, I think, hurt. But uh, I, I talked about it on, on the last show on Sunday that uh, fourth at the World Championships was about where I would have put them. So no big deal there. The point that I really wanted to drive home is something that we've talked about on the show a lot. There's too much volleyball being played. There's too much volleyball being played. And the, the players are suffering for it. I mean, we talked about last week or on Sunday the benefit that Boscovich got because she took VNL off. She came back and looked like the best player in the world. We talked about Alan Souza for Brazil's injury. I mean, Cachopa just got hurt. Like the the injuries are starting to affect the game in an in a, a sport where injuries actually don't affect the game as much as many, which we love it for, in a way that really sucks. And I think it has a lot to do with how much volleyball there is going on. It's also bad for the fans. There is too much volleyball going on for the fans. I think it is too much to consume, especially when a tournament like the World Championship plays the quarterfinals at the same time 
or like a great club match like Verona versus Perugia is being played at the same time as a women's world championship final. There is a little bit too much volleyball going on for the fans and there is way too much volleyball going on for the players. And unfortunately, I don't really see that changing for the better anytime soon, even though the the players are starting to voice their opinions on this problem more and more, which again, on this show, we support. For example, just today, the FIVB has confirmed that the World Championship in 2026 will have 32 teams at it rather than 24. So that means even more volleyball at those tournaments rather than less volleyball. So it's... I mean, it's, it, it all, it all oh comes down man. to the format, right? Like, if you're just going to do, what, like, 32, that's eight eight pools of four, right? Is that, that math good? I hope. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's eight pools of four. Yeah, and then maybe straight to a bracket of sixteen. I'm honestly not yeah. sure, or they, if they play second round or not. I, I didn't look into the format. I don't even know. Maybe if more. Announced. Maybe you go to like a bracket of twenty four, too. Oh God! With like the the, the pool, like the, the the pool. Yeah, the pool winners moving on, right? Like that's. I, I'm I'm all for adding teams if it means lesser games. But there were teams at this World Championship on both the men's and the women's side. That yeah, just should, I mean, that just should not have been there. The, there yeah, were that's the, that's, the other that's the other conversation. That's the other conversation. There were there's bad not teams. Thirty-two. There's not yeah. thirty-two good teams, good teams. in volleyball. There in, were in bad men teams men women. on both sides, and now there's going to be eight teams below them that are even worse, and that just just is not going to be a good product for the first portion of the tournament. So uh, we can talk about that in another show. But I think there's too much volleyball going on. I can't believe like I'm seeing videos on social media of the women's club season just starting up and the players that played in a world championship final this past weekend already showing up to their club teams. No break at all. It's horrible for their bodies and ultimately bad for the product of volleyball at the end of the day. So when, too once much again, like, We've talked about this before. This is where we, we are broken records on this, but this is oh, volleyball. Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't the NBA. This isn't the NFL. This isn't any of those European soccer leagues. They're taking buses to games. Like they don't like, these are not athletes who are taken care of. These are athletes who some of them aren't even making six figures, right? Like these are athletes who, you know, like they, they do it because they're professionals, but they also do it for the love of the game. Like no one's getting supremely rich out here, right? There's two, there's two players in the world who make over a million dollars and that's Leon and, and uh, Ogonu after, after that, you know, like if you're the, the 11th, 12th, 13th person on the roster, do you think you're getting six figures? Absolutely not. Right. So we kill our athletes. We absolutely kill our athletes. And uh, it, it's it's also too much to the fans. Yep, I agree. We're you're right. We're broken records on this. And yes, question in the chat. Thirty two teams from the world championship is confirmed by the FIVB on uh, World of Volley earlier today. Put that out. So, well, hey, maybe Canada <sighs> won't be out in the first round next year because uh, <laughs> there's going to be some garbage, garbage team. You know, Puerto Rico's good. Or actually, Puerto Rico's already there. Puerto like, Rico's Dominican not really Republic as bad as... be there. Venezuela, oh, I, I you know, can't even imagine like, like probably four, five, six African teams. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be hundred oh. percent. You know it. Philippines is going to get an honorary oh. uh, honorary uh, spot, which actually I wouldn't hate. Like, let's let's give it to give it to the Filipinos. If, if anyone knows volleyball is volleyball is them. Um, too yeah. much volleyball, but uh, no matter how much volleyball there is, we'll cover it here on this show. Japan so. will be each given two teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, North Japan and South Japan or something like that. Oh, yeah. great. 
So uh, I think that's about it for the show. A long one today. We obviously had to address the Ben Josephson news early on. And since we're not going to be doing a show next week, again, no show next week. We'll be back two weeks from today. Uh, we had to get a lot in here. So a lot going on, as always. Uh, there is It is nonstop volleyball at all times. There is never any downtime like we just talked about. But uh, we can always talk about more volleyball, which we do on this show. Uh, make sure you join the Volleyball Source Discord if you want that volleyball conversation to literally never ever stop it's the best uh online chat community in the world and another thing that you should do is go check out that volleyball.store right everett yeah absolutely if you want to look good like me uh one day i'll convince rob to wear uh some of our merch on the show um because <laughs> i know he has a lot of it head over to that volleyball.store uh to get all of your nine by nine your spicy volleyball your volleyball source your uh, make volleyball great uh, series and help support us. And if you don't want to spend your hard-earned dollars on merch, maybe you want to spend your hard-earned dollars on a membership. Um, as we said, there's going to be a few, we're building the membership program here on YouTube, so that's only going to be five dollars a month. Um, and if you don't want to spend any money, that's fine. What you can do is a follow us if you don't already, give this video a like, and then comment. What should we get them to comment in the uh, comment section at uh, uh, once once this has been posted That's in about a great three minutes? Question: uh, How about who uh, who your MVP of the summer was? No, that's too easy. That's no, I like that. Let's, let's yeah. Who's your MVP of the summer? Okay, yeah, uh, your M- MVP of the national team season this summer. That's a pretty good one. So comment that uh, after the the live stream is over in like the main YouTube comments. Who's your who, who's your MVP of the summer? Uh, mine is uh, Rob and I because we fucking killed it. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, boys and girls, thanks for watching. Uh, we do try to kill it as best we can in this show, but again, no show next week. We'll see you in two weeks, and we'll see you in the Discord before then. Thank you very much for watching. Oh, what's that? We we just got we just got the Tinder bot. Oh, in, dude, uh, nice. We got spammed. Here. Yes, yeah, that means we're wow, going we're really somewhere. Making if, we're, it. if we're getting spammed, that means oh, you know, amazing. We're doing something right. Okay, I, I, I'll take that as a badge of honor. We'll wrap up the show with that. Uh, thanks for thanks, Tinder chat robot. Click, Fantastic. click on it, Ronnie. Click on it, yeah, Ronnie. Ronnie, Ronnie you, you need to click on it. Do that. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, uh, we'll see you in two weeks, and we'll see you in the Discord. Peace. Oh wait, uh, show on Wednesday. We're doing the women's uh, oh, women's right. uh, Italian league preview. Me and uh, me and Tommy Blizzard. Great call. So tune into that tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, uh, three three p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to it. Thanks for watching. We'll see you then. Peace.